let's, uh, let's pray. I'm excited about peace this morning. Oh, man. When I started looking at this, God started unfurling things. I've never preached this concerning peace. So this just keeps happening. I don't know if you... I, I keep, you're like, Pastor, okay, you keep promoing what you're about to say. But I'm serious. This is going to be really good today. Okay, so let's pray that... Just because I say it's good doesn't mean it's good. Let's pray that the Lord makes it good. Amen? Let's pray. Father, you know the hearts of men. You know where their spirit is at. I do not. But you have prepared this message today. You have gone before us. So speak. Let your Holy Spirit speak. Let your Word speak. And then I ask, Father God, that the power of your Word transforms our minds, our hearts, and our thinking so that the peace of God will guard over us. Amen. This morning we're teaching you Latin. Nunc dimittis. Go ahead, you can say it. Nunc dimittis. Some of you are scared because you don't know what you're saying. Good. Don't ever just say something because somebody wants you to say it. But this morning we're talking about nunc dimittis. This is Latin for go in peace. This is what was given as a message to Simeon. And some of you are saying, Simeon, wait, Simon, Peter, right? No, not wrong guy. Wait, Simon, the magician, and that, no, wrong guy. So the way that the story goes is that Jesus was born, and on the eighth day he was taken to the temple for the ceremony of circumcision. And there waiting were two people that we see in Luke chapter 2 that prophesy over the Christ child. One is Simeon. So you get to hear the words of somebody who was an observer, just like you are, and you get to see how the Christ child affected him so deeply when it, <coughs> when it comes to peace. I'm just going to grab this water so that I don't have issues all morning. And we can be at peace. How many of you recognize the poem that Trish read? We sing this song. Actually, I don't know that we've ever sung this song. How many of you have grown up singing, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day? Yes, you're all under the age of 33. you got to put some backbeat to it for those youngsters to, to get it these days. I heard the bells on Christmas. No, that's too jazzy. Um, these are the words by Longfellow. And this is the first verse from his poem that was turned into a song. And it says, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth and goodwill to men. I have a challenge for you today. What I bring to you is not good news and tidings of great joy. It's a smack of reality. And the reality is this, we will never see peace. Not in our time, not in any time, other than the kingdom of Christ. We talk about peace. If you go to Jerusalem, you'll hear over and over, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I'm not saying don't pray for the peace. I'm just saying that 
peace is a fleeting idea as we think of it. Now, if you take sin out of the world, you're not going to have a shooting like you had in San Bernardino this week. You take sin out of the world, and you're not going to have the shooting and the taking of a life over in San Francisco this week. You're not going to have domestic abuse issues. You're not going to have divorces. You're not going to have spousal abuse. You're not going to, and on and on we can go. But I'm here to break the news to you, my friends. We will not experience peace as we define it ever, as long as there are humans on this earth. Wow, Pastor, you really know how to set up a message and make us feel good. So what do we do with that? Because Jesus said that he came as the what? The Prince of Peace. He says, I come in peace. Peace I give to you, go in what? In peace. we got a problem. Pastor, you're telling us the peace. We just read, we just recited, we just all said together that if we pray, if we are thankful, if we rejoice, if we turn those things and take our supplications to God, Paul says in Philippians 4 that the peace of God will guard over, that transcends all understanding, will guard over our hearts. It's a promise. But pastor, you're telling us peace isn't going to exist. It's what you call a conundrum. So let's get into the passage, (coughs) shall we? And this morning, as we prepare, I have a takeaway quote for you. Are you ready? Because this is where we're going to finish today. Now remember, this beautiful carol that we see that Longfellow writes and pens, he penned it Christmas Day, 1964. I'm sorry, 1864. Christmas Day, 1864. My question for you today is this. Today, if you hear his voice, actually, it's not a question. It's a statement. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Your heart. Let's look at the passage 25 through 32. (coughs) Excuse me. And then I have a highlight verse up here on the screen for us. I'll read the whole passage though. It says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. Now that's the key part. I want to go a little further and I want you to see what happens. He gives glory to God. Now he turns to Joseph and Mary. And let's look at what he says to them starting in verse 33. And his father and mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them. 
and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Fascinating prophecy to the parents. So what do we do with that? Well, first I want to address the issue of longing for peace. And each of us have some kind of a category probably, some kind of a circumstance in our life that we could, we could just vault right up there to the top, right? But there's a current challenge that's stealing away your peace. Let me just take an arbitrary thing. So that maybe all of us can kind of relate to a general sense of peace. The kind of peace that we're talking about, that Christ is talking about. It's a personal peace. Have you ever been so tired that you couldn't wait to get in your bed? That you just loved your bed? That your bed felt so good that you never wanted to what? Get out of it. Don't, some of you were there today. Don't want to get out of bed. We actually just changed our, our mattress uh, last year. 22 years. The same mattress. Can I tell... Yeah. Brother, there was no peace after year 17. There just was no peace. And when we got that new mattress, oh, <laughs> I had peace like no other. Because there was what? There was rest. You ever had a restless night? You wouldn't really describe that as peaceful, would you? Now think about it. Take that concept because it's very visceral. You can relate to that. We can all relate to that. Christ speaks of peace in those terms of rest. That ultimately that's what He provides for us. As we light this candle commemorating the peace of the Christ child... That the peace that Christ can bring. This past week, there were, there were newspaper articles or magazine articles that says, God will not what? You've, you've seen it. God is not going to fix this. How many of you did that really bother? It's like, who are you to say what God is going to do and not going to do? Now, reality check. If you know Revelation, if you know Scripture, it's going to get worse. Is that because of God? It's not because of God. It's because of sin. It's because of stiff-necked, hard-hearted people. And I encourage you, go read through the minor prophets. Go read through the major prophets. Go read through the Old Testament. If you want to see our relationship with God. And here's a challenge. Any of us that are parents, if you can relate to the idea that your kids just want to do what they want to do, whether it's good for them or not, suddenly you no longer have peace in that relationship, right? And they're going to look at you, they're going to say to you, based off of what you allow or not allow, you are interrupting my peace. Because they're so articulate that way, right? You are, inter- you are in my peace space. Where did all the peace go? That's our problem. That's our challenge today. Is it because of who we are and because of the 
complicated thing between God and man, that's why you'll never have peace. Now when the magazine cover says God's not going to fix this, I don't know if God's going to fix it according to what this person's trying to say. Because the reality is the challenge for you and I is to enter into rest. Remember I talked about what is that conflict, what is that problem. Think about how, how the peacefulness of good rest in your own bed is just so good. There's something that does. Can I just share with you that the peace that Christ brings is that peace. It is not the peace that is going to systematically, instantly, on, on, a, on a day-by-day basis, eliminate all the problems of the world. It may eliminate some based off of your prayers, based off of what... But folks, there will be a day when peace will come. Peace will only come because of God's judgment. There's an irony in that, isn't there? There's an irony in that. But in the meantime, what do we do with this promise of peace? Then what did Christ come for? He came that you and I might have rest. Therefore, as we hear about this concept, this idea, this principle, this promise of rest, I encourage you, do not harden your heart if you hear His voice. Do not harden your heart. Now, how does all that relate to our message this morning? Well, let's look at it. Let's break it down. We're going to cover three things. It's a Christmas story of peace. Well, let's find out. Number one, we're going to, we're going to propose that God is initiating on our behalf. God is initiating on our behalf. He's interceding on our behalf so that we can have peace. God sent His Son in order that we might have what? Eternal life. You see how God's initiating so that we can have ultimate peace, ultimate rest. We'll get to some details on that even in this story with Simeon. Secondly, God does everything with intentionality. You know, if you want to have peace in your relationships, you want to have peace in your life, you need to be pretty intentional about how you approach that, don't you? Have you ever suffered a burden and you just sought to have peace, but you never went through a grieving process? You never went through confession. You never went through conflict management to really deal with what's underneath there. You just wanted the peace instantaneously. So you never really got to a point of being able to have that deep, peace that transcends all understanding and guards over your heart and mind. You see, this is an odd relationship, isn't it? The peace requires conflict. But we're people that just, we want, we want the tablet of peace. We want to just, peace, there we go. But that's the sad part. That's the sad part. That's the hard part. That's the difficult part. And that's what we're going to see this morning because Simeon wrestled with this. This was hard for Simeon. But I want you to see from his life how he handled it so we know what peace promises us today. So God provides peace for His servants through Jesus. And that's where I really want you to leave today. Number one, let's start with Simeon's prophecy. God is initiating. Let's look at verse 26, shall we? It says this, And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, Simeon was pretty elderly. If you had been promised something in a vision by God, would you not be waiting every day to see if that was going to happen? Now, how many days till you start getting frustrated? 
Just take the whole, I'm at the temple, I'm waiting for Jesus. Get rid of that one. And take, uh, I'm, I'm waiting for this package that was supposed to arrive last Friday. Just a package! And we're stressed over that. So Simeon has God initiate in his life. Hey, Simeon. I got something unique and special for you, bud. You do all your work at the temple, that's fine. But for some reason, I have decided as God that you are going to be my spokesperson. And there will come a time where you will see the Lord's anointed. By the way, being a good Jew and and a practitioner at the temple, he knew what that meant. That meant Messiah. That meant Yeshua. So for a good Jew, for a practicing Jew, for a worker at the temple to be told that he would not die until he saw the Lord's anointed. Do you think you're going to share that with your poker buddies? That's going out on a limb. Can you imagine the stress of being handed that responsibility? Oh, thanks for the peace. (laughs) Appreciate it. God's initiating. What's He doing in your life? Let's break this down real quick. Number one, We see in verse 26 that God promises you're not going to see death before you see the Lord's Christ. Let's look at verse 35, shall we? Verse 35 says the following, And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Now that's a fragmented sentence, Pastor. Why, Why would you bring that up? Because God is initiating, and there's a prophecy here, and He's doing something that He wants people to take notice of. And what's going to be the result? Well, Simeon's result is that he's going to see the Lord's Christ before he dies. How exciting is that? And so he goes every day and every day and every day. The monotony, right? The patience. The peace isn't necessarily found in that. We'll we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. I just want you to see what happens when God initiates. But for what purpose does God initiate? He goes on in this explanation and this prophecy to Joseph and Mary, and he says... By the way, this is going to be, the birth of Jesus Christ is going to be a conflicting thing. And we'll show you more of that in a minute. But really, he specifically says here is it's going to open the hearts and souls. This is going to be like a sword, like the writer of Hebrews says, that the the word of God is like a double-edged sword that divides marrow from bone. When Christ gets a hold of you, when He speaks, His voice is going. It tends to get in there and cause... Healing, sometimes. Great, encouraging thoughts, sometimes. But folks, sometimes, and based right out of this prophecy, is that it's going to cause conflict because we're constantly in conflict to what God has. And when Jesus comes, His message, who He is, speaks to the soul, it speaks to the heart. And so God is initiating in us today even through this prophecy, through Jesus Christ. So my question to you is, what is God initiating in your life through Jesus Christ? What work has He started in you? See, He starts this work in Simeon by saying, hey, you're not going to die until you see the Lord's Christ. Big thing. And by the way, when Christ gets in there, the, the cause of Christ, the birth of Christ, brings something to us that is so challenging that it makes us go down deep and deal with the deeper things in our soul. You got it? 
It's like going to a counselor that really wants to heal you. That really wants to provide peace for you. You've got to get in there and dig some dirt out. So the question I leave with you is, at the first part is, what is God initiating in your life through Jesus Christ? Secondly, Simeon's appointment. God does everything through intentionality. God does everything through intentionality. Number one, in verse 27 says this, And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. So there was an appointment. Part of Simeon's service at the temple, maybe it was his rotation, maybe uh, it was his permanent job, who knows, we don't have those details, but part of what happened in Jewish tradition, and still key today, is that circumcision for the boys would happen after eight days. And so that's what was happening here. There was an appointment. There was an appointment to be kept. It was preordained. And so God had already set up. Remember, he's initiating with Simeon. He gives him this message. This is what's going to happen, my friend, before you die. And so Simeon's where? Simeon's serving at the temple. Does he just happen to be there? When Mary and Joseph show up, no, God's intended this. This is a a divine appointment, as we call them. So for you and I this morning, the question is this. You see this part of the statement out of the prophecy to Mary and Joseph. And he says, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many. What? What? Jesus is the greatest polarizing factor you'll ever come across. And that's why this is in the spiritual realm, my friends. Is that Jesus requires much of us. Does He not? But He doesn't require more than we can give. You see, He's done all the work. It was appointed for Him to do all the work. But he says this, if you're going to come and believe in me and have faith with me, you're going to abide with me. And if you're going to abide with me, I care about you. And if you're going to turn your life over to me, I'm going to get in there and I'm going to start doing some work. There's a tree on my corner. You'll never forget this now. Every time you come to my house. By the way, you guys can always come to our house. I might be in that recliner with the remote. I may not get up, but you can come. I'll send Max to the door. He'll scare you and then lick you and jump on you and all that. You're always welcome at our house. If you go out from the church, you make a right, then you make an immediate left. On that corner, it's horrible. It was like that corner was designed in like 1968 and it's fallen into disarray. There's a big sign that the first year we were there, every time we turned down our street, the kids would always, a big sign that says Springwood, Spacious Living. You know, it's one of those sub, what do they call that? Um, subdivision, you know, marketing things. And so we would always say when we pull in and we made a left or right, we would always go, Springwood, spacious living, as we drive. We've lost that culture in our house. We, I don't know what happened. It's a sad moment. Tear. And, uh, but something happened about five years ago. You know, we get these evergreens. And across the street is an evergreen. And a seed must have gone across, fallen into some dirt, and there started sprouting up an evergreen against the backdrop of this white wall that's falling apart that has mold all over it. It's just beautiful, right? It's just one of the most beautiful. And so this this 
sprout is all twisted and ugly. And have you ever seen a, a, an evergreen in its first few years? It's not pretty. And I, t- I tell you, this is how lazy I am. Every time I drove by that for like four years, I was like, I'm going to go get my, my pruning shears and cut that thing down. This corner's ugly enough. It's just, it's just ugly. That thing needs to be gone. It looks just so wrong. It's, it looks like a weed growing out the side of a wall. Right? Somebody came along and trimmed it. And it actually looks like a fairly decent junior high age tree. Thank God I didn't cut it down. Because that's who we are. Is it not? And God, Jesus Christ, does the pruning. And when we start out in this life of faith, there isn't a whole lot of peace because there's so much conflict, there's so much dirt there. We've got to get it a little cleaned up, don't we? So Jesus takes us, no matter how awkward we're growing, He takes us. And then He starts growing us and refining us. But in order to do that, what does He have to do? He has to get in there. And some people don't want that. And that's where this prophecy comes from. Because there will be those that say, I don't want Jesus messing with my life. As miserable as it is, <laughs> this is what I choose. And maybe it's a trust issue. We'll get to that. Maybe it's a trust issue. But people say no, and that's the part where it's the fall for many. But there's those that it will be the rise for many. How quickly was this prophecy exacted? Approximately 30 years after it was stated. Where the nation of Israel wholeheartedly rejected in the span of three days. One day they gather branches and they line up their donkeys and they line up their kids and they're throwing palm confetti everywhere singing, Hosanna, Hosanna. And what a lonely place the hill of Golgotha was. Because we don't want the hard, heavy lifting that Christ requires to have peace. That's why we won't see ultimate peace on earth until Christ comes back. Because we're not willing to do the hard, heavy lifting. And because sin is always in conflict. And because of this statement right here. That you want to know why we're having these issues. Why we're having, <coughs> why we're having these problems. is because, <coughs> because we're sick. Hang on. Oh, that's sin too. The reason we're having these problems is because of the challenge, because of the differing views, because of the selfishness, selfishness versus God's design for us. And Simeon knew this, that Christ would be a polarizing feature in our life. So where's the peace come Well, Jesus has an appointment. My question to you is, when He's talking, when you hear His voice, please, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. When you meet Jesus, what will happen? Will you depart in peace? Will you depart in peace? Let's look at the last point today. (coughs) Simeon's departure. So God provides peace for His servant, and that's what nunc dimittis means. It's, It's the Latin for... You will depart in peace. This was the promise to Simeon. So Simeon sees Jesus, the baby Jesus, and let's look at verse 29. 
It says this, this is His glorification of God because of what He sees. It is the realization of the prophecy that was given to Simeon. It's finally happened. Trust issues are now gone. They're fixed. They're perfect. God did what He said He was going to do. Imagine that. That's the faithfulness of God. And so because of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit speaks to Simeon that day, opens his eyes, helps him understand this is the Christ child, and this is his first response. It's to God. He says, Lord, now you are letting your servant what? Depart in peace. You see, I told you the challenge is that we're not going to have peace in this world as man looks at peace. There's just an impossibility. But guess what? He's thinking Simmons, Serta, um, you know, he's thinking great, great mattress. Good rest. I can finally rest. You see how it's personal for him? That in spite of what's happening around us in society, folks, society's peace is not going to happen until Christ returns. But where is our hope in peace? Right where Simeon's is. Because through Jesus Christ, we can have what's called personal peace. That regardless of all the turmoil, regardless of all the difficulty, regardless of all the conflict, the challenges, that through Jesus Christ, you can rise above those challenges. You can know this because perfect peace has been promised. And ultimately, that peace has been promised through rest. So this morning, let's look real briefly at this passage. (coughs) Number one, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This is the peace for mankind. That Christ will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This has happened. And it continues to happen. This is the peace that in the midst of destruction, Christ provides. But let's move to the last point this morning. The question for us as we wrestle with this idea of peace, as we light candles, as we sing songs, as we talk about all this, the reality is, where is your life? Where is your heart? And is Christ the one who has it? Are you falling? Do you fit in that midst of the prophecy to Simeon, God's appointment? Or are you rising because of Christ's appointment in your life? Now, What's your departure going to look like? Today, that's the takeaway. What is your departure going to look like? Christ promises, God promises, to grant us peace that goes beyond all understanding. We can have peace. You've heard testimonies of individuals this past week. You've heard of this pastor maybe that his wife, there was a break-in in the home and his wife was murdered. And yet he has peace. How do you have peace like that? We have people in our sanctuary right now that have incredibly difficult lives. And they will tell you that there is much conflict and it becomes overwhelming at times. And yet they can have peace in the midst of that. Can I substitute a word there for peace? It helps us understand the picture of peace a little bit better. It's the word rest. There are two rests. There are, there's a rest in the midst of the conflict. And we're going to finish with Longfellow's poem this morning to demonstrate that. 
But there's also an eternal rest, and that's the one I really want you to wrestle with today. Because at some point, my friends, we're all facing a departure. We celebrated Mickey Vienna's life this week. There was a departure. I hate to tell you, none of us know when we've booked that. None of us know when God has booked that time. But there will be a stark difference to depart in a rise versus a departure that ends with a fall. So, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. God really directed me to this. I was thinking, how can I help us really wrestle with this idea of striving towards peace? And I was praying and praying and praying in my office this week and He brought Hebrews 3 and 4 to my mind. And is this beautiful picture that God gives of His people going into eternal rest. And what keeps them from participating in that? So let's go there. Turn in your Scriptures to Hebrews, <coughs> if you will. And part of, part of this is going to be in chapter 3. I encourage you to underline the whole thing or make notations in the sermon notes. Before 4.11 says this after the fact. If you precede all the way back into chapter 3, the writer of Hebrews is talking about God's design and plan for rest, for peace, for mankind. That He has provided that way. And He's very particular about why men don't experience that peace. Why they don't experience that rest. Why the lighting of this candle has incredible insignificance for some. It has to do with a hardening of the heart. It has to do with a moment. Remember last week when I spoke about hope, we talked about there are moments, there are pivotal moments where we either lose our hope or our hope is realized. Same thing with peace. Remember, peace is a trust issue. Often. Is it not? Now, if I'm going to place my trust into any of you, there's going to be a little, just a little tinge of worry. Isn't there? If you place your trust in me, there's going to be just a little tinge of worry. You see, it's how we look at trust that directly reflects the peace that we experience. If we fully trust in Jesus because, number one, we see how Jesus presents Himself and we have faith in Him, but then we experience through abiding with Christ. We experience the goodness and the faithfulness of Christ. Remember back to Simeon, right? Hey, Simeon, I know you're just kind of a third third level, third tier kind of operator here at the temple. But I'm choosing you to be the one that recognizes the Christ child. You get to proclaim when the Christ, when Messiah comes. And this is going to happen before you die. I promise you. Uh, it's been like 18 years. Uh, it's been 22 years. My mattress is sagging. 
When are you going to show up? You got trust issues with Jesus? You got trust issues with God that are stealing your peace away? Let me ask you a question just based out of the text. Did God show up for Simeon? Did He? Yes. Do you think Simeon doubted? I have no idea how long those days were, but it's in the human nature for us to doubt. If you're doubting today when that peace will come, remember Simeon. Remember God's faithfulness. Remember Jesus' faithfulness. And then answer this question. So he says that the reason that we fail to enter into that rest is the hardening of our hearts. When his voice comes, is there a hardening of our hearts? So he says this, verse 11, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Let us strive to... This place looks beautiful. It absolutely looks beautiful. And the, the gals that came in here and the, and the two guys, go nameless, Stephen and Jeremy, um, that came in and did this... Janine, we just went like this. Bam! And it happened, right? No. Multiple trips back to the bin of death. Alright? Teetering on cliff level ladders and jumping up and down on the organ. No, just kidding, Roger. We weren't jumping up and down. Just once. This doesn't just happen. You have to strive towards it. You want to grow in that faith. You want to grow in that peace in that relationship with Christ. Guess what? You have to strive towards it. You want to rise and not fall. You have to strive towards it. He says, therefore, let, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from His sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Do we trust Jesus? That's the issue. Do we trust Jesus? You want peace? You want eternal rest? you got to know right now, is His voice speaking to you? If it is speaking to you, you're faced with a decision. Either I trust Him to be who He says He is, or I what? Don't. End of story. But the writer of Hebrews implores you, and I implore you, today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. Because He might not speak again you may not get that chance again. We live in a world of second, third, fourth, fifth, ultimate chances. Folks, there are verses in Hebrews that tell us that we don't know how many chances you get to hear. The reality is this morning you have heard. So now you have a choice. Do you want that peace? So what do we do with this peace? Part of it I've described this morning as being an eternal peace, right? It's that eternal rest that we just read out of Hebrews. Your eternal soul's rest. But another part of it has to do with your symptomatic peace. The peace that you need day in, day out that Christ can provide. Now let's speak to that for just a moment, can we? We started out with a passage from the Christmas carol, The Christmas Bells, which actually was a poem by Longfellow. In 1962, there was a tragic... Fire 
in Longfellow's house in Massachusetts in the library, and his wife was on fire. As a matter of fact, Henry tried to save her and put the fire out and burned his face severely in those efforts. She died. She passed away. In 1962, there was an entry in his journal. And there was a poem on Christmas Day that was falling, not rising. His son, Charles, against his better wishes in 63, joined the army for the Civil War to fight on the side of the Union. And uh, I encourage you to go look up the story. I don't have time to tell you the whole story, but Charles was wounded, gravely wounded, um, to the point of possible um, being, possibly being paralyzed. And so Henry Longfellow got on a train, went 400 miles to D.C. and met his son, thinking maybe the last time that he sees his son. And he prayed and he prayed. And what he wrote into his journal that Christmas that poem was not very peaceful. But Charles survived. As a matter of fact, I, I, I'm wrong in that. There were things that he wrote in his journal, but that Christmas he wrote nothing. Some of you are at that point today. There are no more words. You're numb. But on Christmas Day of 1964, you can just hear or see Charles or uh, Henry sitting somewhere, and suddenly he hears the Christmas bells, and that's what this poem is all about. It's about hurt. It's about anger. It's about conflict. It's about loss. It's about being overwhelmed. It's about giving up. By the way, the carol that we sing is missing the two stanzas that reflect from the poem the struggles he had with his son out of the Civil War. We'll sing that part. It doesn't work in churches. Read these words with me. And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Do you feel like that some days? Now I will just encourage you, the beauty of this poem is that it was written all at the same time. It's reflective. And when Henry wrote nothing in his journal, the Christmas of 63, he did write this in 64. And when the Christmas bells would ring out from the churches, the reason that they would ring out was to remind you to pray or to think of God's goodness. Does that help you understand what he's writing? Let's read this last part together. Then pealed the bells more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail. With peace on earth, good will to men. Amen? Amen. It is possible. It is possible. And Henry walked those roads. And you see it reflected in this Christmas carol. The deeper meaning. Let me close in prayer today.
Thank you for being here this morning. If you're visiting with us, please take one of those cards that's in the front of the uh, chairs in front of you, or in the back of the chairs in front of you. Fill that out. In the back, there are two boxes. You can drop that in the box on the right. If you have brought a gift, an offering um, today, you can drop that in the box on the left. just want to thank you again and rejoice over what you are doing here at Conquer Bible Church. We have a special opportunity tonight, 5.30, in the fireside room. The ju- we brought somebody all the way from Birmingham, England. This is big. This is huge. We spared no expense to bring somebody all the way from Birmingham, England. And by the way, if you have questions about Birmingham, England was just named a safe city for Syrian refugees. So if you want to hear, one of the things we learned as a team went out there in 2012, 13, is that Birmingham is the second largest city in England. It is the largest per capita area in Western Europe of people groups in a, in a square mile. It's mind-boggling how many different people groups are there, and many of them Muslim. You want to you wanna ask questions about this topic and, and wrestle with it, come tonight and ask John and Irene, because they're in the thick of it. They have inserted themselves there to be light to the world. And so we need to come alongside them tonight and pray. 5.30 in the fireside, and they'll give a little bit of a brief overview of what's happening uh, through that ministry that we support. Um, and very exciting. The Johnsons sat where you sit. And God just led them to, to give up their jobs and to take their kids at a young age. It would be the same as Damien and Ariana, same age of the kids. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be Lynn? About the same age. And they just said, we're going to insert ourselves in the single hardest work possible and go minister to the Muslim community. So come ask questions, hear what's going on, and, and we'll pray together 5.30 tonight in the fireside room. Let me pray over our offering and dismiss you today. Father, it is a beautiful understanding to know that peace is possible. Peace that transcends all understanding is possible. But that today... <coughs> That peace will come if we do not disregard your voice. That peace will come if we do not harden our hearts. Let us strive towards that peace. Lord, I pray for those that are here today that are suffering. I know that it's real. I know that it's true. If we're breathing on this earth, there will be suffering. But Lord, I pray in the hope and the peace of Christ, Regardless of that suffering, regardless of that difficulty, we can find rest. And we can rise and not fall. Lord, use our gifts today for your glory. We say all this and do all to acknowledge and exalt you. And again, thank you for just a special day with Gentry. and and so many others in the way that they serve the body of Christ. Bless them. In your name we pray. Amen.